Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. The man in the UK thought he was losing his hearing and then discovered that part of an earbud had been stuck in his ear for five years. After doctors removed it, he was like, thanks, I've had that song stuck in my head since 2017. Oof. Yeah, 2017, probably something like it. Ripped jeans, wind is blowing. Call me maybe or something like that. Hmm. Stuck in your head. Um, how how would you how would you? Wouldn't your earbud be broken or a part of it missing, and you would notice that? I can't imagine. And the next what time you there. went to use your earbuds, chunk of this is missing. I wonder where it is. Well, and you wouldn't be aware at all that there's something really weird about my hearing or the way my ear feels. I dropped my little uh, iPod Pro thingy on the hard floor, and now it makes a weird crackling sound. You're ah, very disappointed. You're doomed. Those things you're are expensive. Doomed. You think I broke it? Uh, probably. Ah, sucko. Um, so uh, the libertarian crowd has been saying end the drug war for a very long time. 
using this news story as some ammunition for that argument is finding out about a fair amount of corruption that's been going on in the DEA apparently for quite a while. This is from the Associated Press. Jose Irizarry says they called themselves Team America, a group of jet-setting, high-living federal agents and prosecutors who were supposed to be fighting the war on drugs. But the former Drug Enforcement Administration star says they all knew that war was unwinnable, so they were going to milk it for all it was worth. The is a game. The drug war is a game. We, it was a very fun game that we were playing. 48-year-old Irizarry, Irizarry, um, he and now, well, he he got convicted and and is in jail. Um, 12-year federal prison sentence. The the thing that's big is he's starting to name other names and claim he's one of many, and it's been this way for a long time. Let's hear a little more of that. The 48-year-old Irizarry pleaded guilty in September 2020 to 19 criminal counts, including bank fraud and diverting millions in drug proceeds. For years, the Department of Justice portrayed the San Juan, Puerto Rico native as a rogue agent. But Irizarry says the problems go much deeper. They kind of painted me in this picture of that I'm this mastermind of what we were doing, and I wasn't the mastermind. In fact, the DOJ has begun questioning as many as two dozen current and former agents and prosecutors who Irizarry claims either participated in or turned a blind eye to his abuses. So he can, Oh, boy. He conspired with Colombian cartels to build a lavish lifestyle of expensive sports cars, Tiffany jewels, and paramours around the world. Unless this guy is completely full of crap, there's a heck of a lot of DEA people having trouble sleeping at night right oh now. Oh, boy, yeah, no kidding. Waiting for the other shoe to drop. Some, uh... All kinds of different things. They would they would stay in VIP rooms at the nicest hotels. With all this is all with taxpayer money, of course. Um, uh, a lot of times at strip clubs, a lot of a lot of prostitutes around the world. Well, drug money. Um, what's that? They were using drug money, right? Well, sometimes the cart- skim. Yeah, sometimes cartels would just pay them because they were turning a blind eye, or sometimes they were just you know falsifying records or there's all kinds of every every level of this sort of thing you can imagine well and i I know uh that part of it was when they would uh, seize cash or assets or whatever they'd skim a little bit just off the top talking about being on a colombian lot yacht with uh booze filled parties and dozens of prostitutes and that sort of thing these are dea agents are doing this and he says not just him we had free access to do whatever we wanted he said we would generate money pickups in places we wanted to go, and once we got there, it was about drinking and girls. Hey, whoever you want to go next? You pick a place and claim you got a big sting you're going to go do there, and then you just go there and, and party. Only nominal concern was given to actually building cases or stemming a record flow of illegal cocaine and opioids into the United States that has led to more than 100,000 drug overdose deaths a year, according to the Associated Press, which is accurate, that part. Uh, you can't win an unwinnable war. DEA knows this, and the agents know this, he said. There's so much dope leaving Columbia, and there's so much money, we know we're not making a difference. The drug war is a game. It was a very fun game while we were playing. Well, and as dramatized by the fabulous Netflix series Ozark, uh, I have a feeling they were uh, they would go down to Columbia, call the main cartel guy, say, hey, we're in town to party, and uh, while we're here, we probably got to get some evidence against the number two guy you compete against. Oh, so, you know, anything you got. 
He says that he was corrupted and other ancients were corrupted by the allure of easy money and the lifestyle. Yeah, that happens. So how big a deal this is, I don't know. I hope they figure it out. Uh, as a taxpayer or somebody who would like to stop fentanyl from coming into the country, I just assume these people were actually doing their job rather than just partying with hoes. Yeah, wow, is that a stew of human nature and, and a giant problem that may be unsolvable yet, as you pointed out with the fentanyl thing, and the young people dying by the tens of thousands in America. Not to mention older folks living those lives of despair. I mean, it's not a problem you can just say, what are you going to do and walk away from? Yeah, I feel like the fentanyl aspect changes the story somewhat. Before fentanyl, you could at least make the argument to yourself that, you know, if a bunch of you know 20-something dudes are having a good time and they're going to do it no matter what, what do I care? Um but when it becomes fentanyl and people are dropping dead all over the place from from one pill, I would think maybe I think that would be a different thing for your conscience. But I wonder what what he claims really wore on him, and I suppose this would happen over time. Is just it's so massive, and you'd think, what are we? We're not even making the. If I did the best job I could, I wouldn't make the slightest dent in this. Yeah, you're standing there with a bucket, uh, you know, trying to stop the tide. I'm not saying that's a good enough reason to then steal from your employer and actually increase the number of illegal drugs flowing into the country. And party with Colombian hoes. Right. You're saying that is reason enough or no, not? No, I'm sorry, no, I got lost no, there no, no. For briefly. I don't know, but we'll see how widespread this is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, wow. i got to admit, as a guy who believes you're in charge of your own life, you ought to be able to do what you want. And if you feel like getting high, as long as you don't drive... And if you become an addict and can't work, I have no need to support you. You have no right to ask me to support you. You know, as a lover of liberty, the whole drug question is kind of tough. Sure it is. Plus, the experiment, the blue cities of the West Coast especially have conducted where, hey, not only can you do drugs, we're decriminalizing all of it. You can do them in public. You can do them on the sidewalks. And it's been an unmitigated disaster. Right. If you could point to uh, an example, and maybe you can, if you can, go ahead, text or email. But if you can point to an example where this is this, hey, let people make their own decisions view has worked out, I'd be all for it. Because in theory, I'm that way, too. But the combination of like normalizing it and making it easier for my kids when they're older to be able to get a hold of it, I don't like yeah, you, know, you have more addicts, you have more people dying, more misery. I mean, you can't even make the argument like they do occasionally about prostitution. You legalize it, it'll be out in the open, the sex workers can get medical exams, there will be no violence against them because it's regulated, blah, blah, blah. Well, I've heard that same sort of argument made about drugs, too. Listen, you decriminalize it, and, and you can raise your hand and say, hey, I'm an addict, I'd really like to get some help, and you don't have to worry about you know getting busted. Um, no, it's gone in the opposite direction. It's just increased death and misery. Now, I suppose if you're a hardcore libertarian, you'd say death is one of the possible results of making bad choices. And I guess that's true. But we have a situation now where there's fentanyl and everything. And every young person who wants to catch a buzz Friday night is at risk of being dead.
Yeah, well, I, I only worry about it for, uh, again, for younger people, because I'm not going to do it. You can legalize it or not legalize it. It's not going to have any effect on my drug use going forward. But uh, is it going to for, you know, when my kids are juniors in high school? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, that's, uh, that's grim. Grim indeed. Well, and interesting. Just an interesting oh, yeah. look at human nature. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Power corrupts, etc. Later on the hour, yeah, we'll take a quick look at uh, Trump... Uh, announcing and and what that means and and what people are likely to say about it uh but just briefly came across this the left is going to lose its mind how how loud is the noise going to be on the right though or is it just going to be a half eye roll that's the key that's the key how much power is still there behind trump how much electricity from the good people of america are they willing to give him this time Laura Ingram the other night said, I think it's time to, you know, with all the caveats of the judges and all that sort of stuff, said, I think it's just time for a different face. I mean, when she's saying that, come on. Well, yeah, and that's I agree completely. Coming up, though, in a couple of minutes, there is a big new book out getting a lot of attention, a lot of respect that says the whole narrative you've heard about Native Americans is just backward and phony. Here's the real deal. Oh, wow. And it's surprising. Are you going to get us fired with this little segment? Most likely, yes. Wow. Uh, me have a heap of fear about this. Oh, um, good Lord. Uh, more on the way. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. President Biden's 80th birthday is this weekend. He'll celebrate the same way he does every year until 7 p.m. All right, that's enough. (laughs) Time for bed, folks. Right. So he's old, you see. He's 80 this weekend, and uh, we're going to talk a little Trump. Coming up next segment, he's announcing today, what does it mean? How does it likely play out? We have one theory that might be the most likely way it plays out. So stay tuned. Yeah, speaking of old guys, which factors in too, but uh, stay tuned. So I came across this uh, this article in the New Yorker, and it, it shocked the heck out of me. It's a review of a book, and the author is of Native American origin. And he's talking about reading uh, the the classic uh, Bury My Heart at Wounded Knee, which yep. has sold millions of uh, uh, copies. It uh, appeared in 1970. I read that as and a child and was uh, brutalized by it mentally, emotionally. Yeah, it talks about the incredible era of violence, greed, audacity, etc., when the American Indian was destroyed between 1860 and 1890. And the author mentioned that he read this and readily accepted the version of history promoted by that book, that Native American history was a litany of abuses, disease, slavery, warfare, dispossession, forced removal, the near extermination of the American bison, land grabs, forced assimilation that had erased our way of life. And yet my culture and civilization didn't feel gone. When I looked westward and back in time, I couldn't help think uh, that Brown's historical record, he wrote, Bury My Heart at Wounded Knee, was incomplete, that the announcement of our collective death was rather premature. And then he gets into this uh, this author whose name I cannot dream of how to pronounce. He's a, a Finn author. It looks like Hamelainen. So I'll just go with Hamelainen. Uh, he boldly sets out a counter-narrative. In its opening pages, 
the Helsinki-born scholar at Oxford, who specializes in early and indigenous American history, maintains that the America we know was, in its borders, shape, and culture, far from inevitable. Even after the so-called colonial era, tribal nations often played a determining role in American history. In his view, we should not speak of colonial America, but of an indigenous America that was only slowly and unevenly becoming colonial, and recognized that the central reality of the period was ongoing indigenous resistance he mentions in 1776 european powers had claimed most of the continent but indigenous people controlled it the euros claimed territory but they couldn't go there sure yeah that's instead interesting. of the four instead of the foreordained story of decline and victimization himalayan wants us to see a parade of contingencies with native nations giving regularly giving as good as they got or even better the result, he promises, will be a North American history re-centered on Native people and their own overwhelming and persisting power. Like treaties, though, scholarly promises have often been broken. Will he be true to his word? And we don't have time for this whole thing, but it's so interesting, and it covers some ground that we've talked about a lot through the years. For instance, throughout his roughly chronological work, he stresses movement, Tri- tribal travelers crossing the Bering Strait during last ice age, then around 11,000 BC, uh, traveling an ice-free corridor, other migration in boats, and lots and lots of it. Uh, then he spends the opening pages detailing the rise and fall of early empires in the Southwest and Midwest in particular. A distinctive pattern of simultaneous centralization, decentralization, wherein these, these kingdoms would conquer each other, and decentralize, or and then they'd come together in big cities. In fact, at its peak in the 10th and 11th centuries, about 40,000 people lived in Cahokia, which is the present-day St. Louis. About 40,000 people. It took seven centuries before North America saw a, saw a more populous city. Now that's, Philadelphia in 1790. That's a stunning stat right there. That yeah. is a stunning stat. The biggest city for seven centuries was uh, a native uh, town. Then he goes into the climates and the ice age and the warming, that sort of thing. And uh, uh, it wasn't... uh, Oh, his broader point is that long before the Europeans arrived, the peoples of the New World didn't inhabit the stasis of the traditional account. They weren't you know, peacefully hunting the the deer and living in harmony and and drinking rainwater from leaves and that sort of thing. They were at nearly constant war and change. Uh, Sure. By the 16th century, around 5 million native people had inhabited or made use of almost every part of North America. The usual story depicts them as dwelling in harmony with one another in the natural world in some cultural and ecological Eden that was then torn apart by Europeans. In fact, as Himalayan shows, they manipulated nature, rerouting water to create gardens in the desert, uh, domesticating cultivars through seed selection, and they projected power, sometimes in violent ways, subordinating or being subordinated to their neighbors. They didn't live in harmony. They lived in history. That's one of my favorite lines. Yeah, Um, that is good. Then he goes into the initial settlements of the New World that uh, the native ones would just wipe them out whenever they felt like it. They only allowed them to exist if they felt like allowing them to exist. That's what I wonder. They were firmly in control. Yeah, I I mentioned I'm reading this book about Jamestown with my son, and yeah, clearly the Indians, that first settlement only existed because the Indians thought there was some benefit to them, um, because otherwise they could have easily devastated them. 
And in the completely inadequate amount of time we have left, I'm not trying to say that there was no ugliness or violence perpetrated against the native peoples, but that it was a back and forth thing for hundreds of years. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Donald Trump transformed the Republican Party, from my perspective, in many ways, for the better. From the policy perspective side of things, he broke open, I think, an established agenda that needed to be broken open, that needed to consider a lot of different possibilities and to prioritize a different set, uh, a different list of issues than they had in previous years. But he's also, I think, served his purpose in a way that I think Many Republicans are satisfied with, and they would prefer now to move on. Who that? That's Ben Dominich, who's whole held number of uh, different posts for different publications in DCs of uh, the chattering class, the Beltway class. He's a smart guy, though, and like so many others, including our listeners, by hundreds to one in emails and texts, are saying, "Hey, thank you, Trump, for everything you did, but now let's move on." Right, and my own personal focus group of people that I know and have known were hardest of hardcore Trump supporters since he came down the escalator that have turned on him. Turned on him is not the right word. I don't need to put it that strongly. Just, you know, ready to to do something different. Right, it's time for somebody else to carry the ball. Um, And in spite of that astonishing lack of juice, or I'm sorry, loss of juice in the last two weeks, and I've never seen anything like it. No. Um, uh, Trump is allegedly going to launch his uh, presidential bid for 2024 from Mar-a-Lago this evening at some point. Right. Um, I, I still think there's a chance he may be changing his mind. I don't know. Uh, like I've said, uh, up until about a week ago exactly, um, I have thought that when Trump announced, when we all got alerts on our phones that Donald Trump has announced he's running for president, it was going to be just an earthquake politically, and that he would be nearly unstoppable, at least for the nomination. Um, and that changed in an instant. I mean, I think anybody anybody in, in right-leaning politics can feel it. The corporate media, which you know doesn't know a single person who voted for Trump, uh, is completely missing this story. They don't realize it at all. Uh, how much does Trump realize it? I don't know. Um, but I think there's been so much noise uh, around him from enthusiasm and flattery to uh, mountains of negativity out of the mainstream media, including various hoaxes that you may have heard of through the years, uh, and, and the negativity of an Adam Schiff, the congenital liar, and the rest of it. I don't... Th- think trump can perceive reality anymore uh because even if he wanted to he couldn't uh, no unless he has somebody close to him who's willing to tell him the difficult truth which is not exactly a characteristic trump is known for right so um there were a couple of state polls that came out over the weekend that much was made of where desantis topped trump but they were like 43 DeSantis, 35 Trump, that sort of thing. Which, if Trump was running in a primary, 
his 30-some is hardcore and has been for the, from, from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And if a bunch of people, were, other people were running against DeSantis, I mean, in a one-on-one, I mean, this was the whole thing going back to 2016. In a one-on-one, Cruz, who, who knows, lots of people might have been able to beat Trump. But Trump against the field, he was always going to get the bigger number. And I wonder if that happens with DeSantis, if it's DeSantis and Chris Christie and and uh, Tim Scott or whoever, and they splinter off those numbers, and Trump's hardcore 30 still hangs in there if he can just pile up states and get the nomination. I don't well, know. Yeah, assuming he does run and nothing fundamental changes, you're right. The uh, please let's move on crowd would need to coalesce around a single candidate. They would have eventually. to. They would have to or he wins. On the other hand, the one thing I disagree with, and I'm I'm absolutely willing to to admit that I may be uh, over over egging the pudding. Um, I might be over enthusiastic about this notion. I'm trying to perceive reality the best I can. But what has changed, and it's changed massively and rapidly, as we were talking about, is Trump. How does Trump's act feel to you? And among Republican voters, uh, it's gone from that that hardcore thirty three percent or whatever it is thirty percent to a sizable chunk. Or like the guy rubs me the wrong way, but his policies are great, and I love the judges. And then you got folks who are like, I can tolerate it. I guess I don't like Democrats. That hardcore 30 might be similar in size. I think it's shrunk. I think the huge crowd of right-leaning voters who are like, the guy rubs me the wrong way, but I love the policies, have now switched to, that's enough. I can't take it. Ron DeSanctimonious, are you serious? The guy's done a brilliant job. We're through here. Who's next? I think that movement is enormous. And as you pointed out, the corporate media has no idea of it. Right, they're missing the story completely. Um, so, Bill Crystal, who is a, a, a formerly Republican journalist who's a never Trumper, said Trump's going to burn the place down on the way out the door. And I was trying to think, in what way could Trump burn the place down on the way out the door? And one way would be is if he ran as a third party. If he runs as a third party and even has still a 15% hardcore that'll vote for him. Actually, even a 5% hardcore that would vote for him, he could tip the election, burn in the place. And I think he's the kind of guy that would rather have Biden or whoever the Democrat is win, and he caused it, than uh, cost the Republicans uh, the presidency. My analysis will be incredibly controversial. I mean... Career ending, violence in the streets, dogs sleeping with cats, etc. Wow. After a quick word from our friends at HelloFresh. Hey, Fresh. Could, could not be more enthusiastic about HelloFresh. Judy and I tonight are going to be having, as I recall, mushu pork bowls, spicy pork with rice. We had shrimp scampi the other day. Just, oh, my gosh. We had this incredible uh, spicy chicken on pasta thingy. So much variety, so delicious. It's all, it comes to your house pre-measured. You just whip it up fresh. Hello, fresh. And it even saves you money. Yep. Delivered right to your door. Skip that extra grocery store trip. Relax this time of year with over 35 weekly recipes to choose from. There's always something new to try and it's much cheaper. You're going to save a lot of money. 
HelloFresh's 20-minute meals and easy cleanup options make for more quality time around the dinner table, less time in the kitchen. They tell you how much time and cleanup is involved. So you know going in, hey, we don't have a lot of time tonight. Let's do a quick prep one. It's great. Get started today. HelloFresh.com slash Armstrong65. You use our code 65% off plus free shipping. That's Armstrong65. Go to HelloFresh.com slash Armstrong65. You can cancel any time. HelloFresh.com slash Armstrong65. So the idea of Trump running third party, getting 5 to 15% and tilting the election to a Democrat. I think it's absolutely possible. I don't know if I'd say it's likely. Well, I think I'm leaning likely. <laughs> because... You're balancing two things, and and Trump is about Trump. He's an egomaniac. He's an egomaniac who did a lot of good things, um, but he's an egomaniac. I don't know if anybody's ever run for president who wasn't an egomaniac. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a good point. I think Trump may be a king among kings, but anyway, the point is well taken. Uh, but he, perhaps, it'll take a Don Jr., will be faced uh, with the choice. You're going to get drummed in the election by, say, DeSantis and by the Democrat. But you will destroy your opponents on your way down. Are you willing to get drummed or do you want to hang on to your... uh, your rep is the guy who was a one-term president, almost was a two-term. I know some of you think, stop the steal. Okay, fine. I know. <laughs> um, or, or do you want to lose again? I think, I think losing third party feels differently than losing as the Republican candidate. I think it's a real rebuke if you're the one guy, Republican versus Democrat, and you lose. I think you're third party. Who, who Does anybody think Ross Perot's a loser because he was the third party and got 20% of the vote? I, I think it's possible. Now, I'm, I'm looking at the other side of the coin. Somebody could tell Trump, you could get the highest total of any third party candidate in uh, modern history. Right. And that would appeal to his ego. Sure. Sure. I don't know. I mean, this is all speculation, and you can speculate on the text line, 415-295-KFTC. Well, do we think there's any chance after last Tuesday and feeling the vibe in the country that he decides not to run? Mm, that's that's a long shot. Well, I think that's a real long shot. Yeah. Well, Man, and- it's amazing how much different it feels. Well, it felt that much different the next day. We all need to remember how quickly things can come and go. Yes. Yeah. Well, and back to the scorched earth possibility, and then I'll shut up. Um, I think it's notable that virtually every Republican, including longtime hardcore Trump allies, said, hold off on your announcement till after the runoff in Georgia. Right. Please. You'll still have years to run for president. Just wait till after the runoff. It's in three weeks. And he refused. It would seem. Perhaps costing a Georgia. It would seem. Right. Uh, perhaps uh, losing Georgia again. I don't know. That that does not sound like a guy who will do what helps uh, conservative America or the Republican Party. Does anybody know what his plan is for today? I mean, he announced he was going to uh, do the big thing on the 15th like a, over a week ago. It was before the election, right? And uh, so has he got a rally planned somewhere? or uh, He was going to be at Mar-a-Lago. Mar-a-Lago. Yeah. Okay. 
All right. Well, we'll see. Where do you want to? I'm going to watch the coverage on Fox. I think that's the most interesting place to hear it. You know what they're going to say on CNN, MSNBC, and other? Oh my God, he's running the Trump crowd, the election deniers. Can he be stopped? Democracy historians talking about children being murdered, and will history sixth? Exactly. We know what they're going to say. What is the reaction on Fox though when he announces on Hannity's show and Laura Ingram and what is that reaction? That's what's going to be interesting. Here, here. Mm-hmm. Uh, it might be something like Donald Trump announced he's running again for 2024, making his third presidential bid. In other news, Jay Leno was burned in a fire. I mean, that might be like right. that. I don't know. Right. That's true, by the way. Jay Leno was burned in a fire. Serious oh, burns to his face. Yeah, it's terrible. One more thing we left out. Trump, before long, is going to turn 77, for the love of God. Yeah. He'd be the second oldest president we ever had, ever elected. I th- no, he'd, he'd be, be the, the oldest. oldest. Is yeah, that right? By a couple of years. He'd be the oldest president we've ever elected. Even older than Biden. Now, Bingo. Now, his mind doesn't seem to be slipping like Biden, but do we need to elect people that are damn near 80? Uh-uh. Probably not. Anyway, we'd love to hear your comments, among other things. Oh, my gosh. Harvey Weinstein trial going on. Another one in California. Gavin Newsom's wife testifying to stuff that nobody'd ever heard before. What the hell is going on? Freaking awful. You have my sympathy, sir, and, and his wife. Um, tell you a little bit about that coming up. The governor of California, Gavin Newsom, who we uh, mock and make fun of a lot, his wife is uh, testifying, has testified against Harvey Weinstein in a different trial in California because there's some concern. Well, one, he committed a bunch of crimes and he has been accused of them and charged and you see you have a trial. There's also concern that he's going to beat the rap on the, the sentence he got in New York. And so they want to make sure that the scumbag who should be uh, executed today stays in prison and um gavin newsom's wife jennifer newsom uh, had stayed quiet about this story but decided she was going to come forward and tell the story she was a young actress 17 years ago she was 31 years old this is long before she met gavin newsom and harvey weinstein raped her or so she says although i'm sure it's true um, I can tell you the little bit of the testimony here to give you an idea of what a scumbag this guy is. And the fact that he was so revered in Hollywood and people knew this and kept their mouths shut always has to be a part of the story. Yep, every time they smiled and cheered and gathered around him at the Oscars, it was knowing he was this kind of guy. He met her first at the... She met him first at the Toronto International Film Festival a few weeks before the assault. Apparently, he was smitten with her and, you know... As a predator, set his sights on her, and uh, it went from there. Um, so she's at the bar, and uh, all of a sudden she says, at the film festival, she said she was standing at the bar talking with friends when she noticed everybody sort of backed away as Weinstein walked up to her and introduced her himself. I felt like the Red Sea was parting. I didn't know whether it was deference or fear. So Harvey Weinstein walks in the room full of aspiring actors, directors, that sort of thing, and they just spread and let him walk toward the young prey. And they probably all know what he's up to. 
She found Weinstein both charming and intimidating, but she was flattered that he seemed curious about her budding career. The oldest game in the book. On a trip to Los Angeles a few weeks later, Weinstein stopped by her West Hollywood home to deliver a gift, a book about MGM co-founder Louis B. Mayer, and invited her to meet with him the next day at the Peninsula Hotel in Beverly Hills to discuss her aspirations. You would think your ship had come in. No doubt about it. She expected to meet him in the hotel bar, she said, so she was confused and hesitant when a Weinstein assistant summoned her to his lavish suite. As she waited for him there on the couch, she noticed a bottle of champagne in a bucket. That made her more nervous. It felt a little bit like a date, she testified, but she decided to stay. Uh, You don't say no to Harvey Weinstein, she said. That's what he's counting on. That's what he is counting on, yep. Asked by the prosecutor why not, she responded, because he could make or ruin your career. Once Weinstein wrapped up his meeting and joined her on the couch, Newsom said she expected to talk with him about film projects she hoped to pursue, but he seemed uninterested. He told her he wanted to get more comfortable and stepped away, then called out from behind a darkened hallway. Can you help me? She said she found Weinstein bent over in a bathrobe in a brightly lit bathroom. He was masturbating, she testified, and grabbed her and tried to get her hand on him. Mm -hmm. Uh, I just remember physically trying to back away. She repeatedly told him, please don't. She said he came toward her and groped her, but she kept backing away. In a lengthy cat and mouse at the bathroom door, I was just delicately trying to get away, she said. Weinstein, she said, and this is more graphic than we need to get, but he uh, f- forced her in a variety of sex acts. She kept thinking she was worried about getting a disease. Uh, I was afraid of him putting his body into my body and hurting me. She ultimately decided she needed to make pleasure noises to make this end and go away. I'm just, I'm really generalizing here. I just made, did it to make it stop. I just wanted to get out of there. Excuse, I just wanted to effing get out of there. Excuse my language. I'm sorry. I just wanted to get out. Uh, she gets pressed pretty hard by the defense, of course, on why you didn't leave and blah, blah, blah. But that's a story. Gavin wanted to be in for the testimony, the governor of California, but was not allowed for, for whatever reason. So he stood out in the hallway as she told this story. He's a freaking monster. How many women did he do this to? Dozens, probably. Hundreds. I don't know. Yeah, I, I would guess easily high double figures. Um, for years. And that was his reputation. That is not, that's a diseased culture right there, man. You know, I, it's not how many, it's how many per week. Probably he pulled that stuff with there. There are so many ridiculously attractive young women desperate for a career in the movies in L.A. You can't count them. Right. And um, as our old producer, Sean, used to say, how often did it work? I mean, just people willingly thought, OK, if this is what you got to do to get ahead. Yeah. Hey, remember my name, Harvey. Yeah. Yeah, just sick. But again, the part that that I will not forget is all the Oscars, all the shows where they're gathered around him, arms around him, smiling, cheering, even as they knew. That's Hollywood. That's the Hollywood that lectures you from the stage, folks. Yeah, and how you ought to live your life. God, that's disgusting. And he should be executed. He should be executed for his crimes. He is super guilty, as we like to call it. Uh, If you ever miss an hour of the show, you can catch it in podcast form, Armstrong and Getty On Demand, and listen to it whenever you want. Armstrong and Getty On Demand. Armstrong and Getty. 
Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.